What's up, Rip City? This is Drew Eubanks. You've got one of the best seats in the house here at Section 113 with Travis Demers. What's up, Rip City? It's time for another edition of the Section 113 podcast. I'm Travis Demers. Thanks so much for being here with us as the Blazers get set to start this six-game road trip with the San Antonio Spurs. Coming off of a 3-1 and homestand, uh, it's nice to see the Blazers get back on the winning track that we saw earlier in the year, you know, after losing 8 of 10. And, you know, the, the game against Denver was obviously disappointing, right? You've got the lead and an opportunity to win the game. Jeremy, or Jeremy Grant defending uh, Jamal Murray, who ends up hitting the game-winning three with less than a second left, and that was certainly disappointing. But as I was talking with Mike Lynch, who hosts our pregame show, and I heard Casey Holdall talk about this too, if – that game didn't go the way that it did down the stretch. The Blazers might not have had the intensity they did and attention to detail in the second halves in both games against Minnesota. So who knows what they would have done without that? Did they need that? Did that help them? I don't know. But it was a successful 3-1 and homestand, and now they go out on a six-game road trip, sitting at 15-12 and and back to winning again. Damian Lillard is back on the floor, and he's been incredible. I mean, 11 three-pointers. Uh, tying a franchise record, his own franchise record. And yes, of course, we all wanted to see him go back out there in the fourth quarter. But as Dame put it after the game, that would have been a, a thirsty move. So smart. He only played 30 minutes in the game, 38 points at the 11 threes. And he's now closer, just 107 points away from breaking the all-time franchise scoring record held by Clyde Drexler, which who knows? You know, the next couple of games, how things go, he could end up doing it in front of Clyde the Glide in Houston on Saturday night. So you look ahead to this road trip now, and you're playing some teams that are near the bottom of the standings, right? San Antonio has really struggled. They have won three games in a row after dropping 13 out of 14, but their defense has has not been great. And Jakob Pertl had a monster game against the Blazers the first time they met. He's going to be out. Uh, Zach Collins, who has been starting, he is doubtful for the game. So they're going to be a little beat up as well. And they've had a, a bunch of guys miss time to injuries. Then you go on to Dallas. You've already lost there. They're a very good team at home. Then Houston the following night. Houston obviously is at the bottom of the standings as well, but they just had a home win over the Milwaukee Bucks, and that was a Bucks team that wasn't resting, guys. Giannis played in that game. Chris Middleton played in that game. So you can't take any of these teams lightly. Then two games in Oklahoma City, and you know again, Oklahoma City in, in a similar situation uh, as Houston and San Antonio, except they've got – Shea Gilders-Alexander, who's been playing at an all-star level. And as we've seen with the Blazers, when you've got a guy who's putting up 30-plus every night, even if your team is struggling, you've got a chance to win. So that's not going to be easy. And then you finish the road trip, the sixth game of a six-game, 11-day road trip. You have to go in altitude and play the Denver Nuggets, who are always tough at home. But that's going to be the last of, of long road trips for a while, right? Come home play the Hornets on December 26th, go back in the road for one game uh, at Golden State, come back, play the Pistons, the three games in the road. And, and then it's it's home games. I mean, 11 of the 14 games, in, or 11 of the 15 games, I should say, in January are all home games. As the Blazers get set to take on the San Antonio Spurs, there is only one person that we need to talk to about Spurs basketball, and that is the legendary voice of the San Antonio Spurs, Bill Schoening. Bill, thanks for the time. How are you doing? I'm very good. You might be a little heavy on the use of legendary there. Um, a real quick story about that, Travis. I like to tell quick yeah. stories, you know. And uh, I, love it. I was doing a, there was a small Division II university. It's still there in Austin, Texas, called St. Edwards. 
And uh, we got knocked out of the playoffs early, so I, I had a little open time in the spring. So I did some uh, Division II baseball just to have some fun. Mm-hmm. And the public address announcer tells the crowd, and on the game today on the Lone Star Conference Digital Network is the legendary Bill Shoning. So my chest just puffed up a little bit. Oh, I'm legendary. And a lady sitting about five feet from me turns around and goes, Bill who? Who? I never heard of him. Bill who? <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, the, the moral of the story is don't ever let your chest get out too high when you think you're a legend. Then somebody five feet away has never heard of you. <laughs> well, you do tell legendary stories. And I, I did want to ask you about this. So since we're already there, I, I'll, I'll just bring it up now. Um, I have not heard you do baseball. I've heard you do basketball a million times, obviously. Um but baseball is all about storytelling, and you are a terrific storyteller, which your book clearly illustrates. And well, thank you. your yeah. book tells some great stories. So for folks who haven't had a chance to, to or don't know about your book or haven't had a chance to read it, what are they going to find in your book? You've told me some of the stories, and they're, they're incredible. Well, well, thanks, Travis. I appreciate that. Uh, and I, I didn't mean to make this a plug for the book. but uh, since No, no, not at all. Be- I was going to ask you anyway. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go there with you. But uh, first of all, the book's available on barnesandnoble.com. Uh, there's some kind of problem with my publisher and Amazon right now. I'm not sure what's going on. So if you want to get a copy of the book, it's $15 online, and it's at barnesandnoble.com. I've had this incredibly blessed, crazy life uh, where my dreams came true. You know, I was an inner city kid in Philadelphia. Yeah. I had this dream at the age of 10 to be a play-by-play guy. I used to listen to everybody. I used to imitate everybody. I had one of those little old Panasonic tape recorders, uh, and I would turn the TV down, just like you probably did, too. So all of us who had the yep. play-by-play dream did this at one point, uh, but I did it very young age. And even when I was playing ball, and I played high school baseball all through my senior year, I'd do a running play-by-play at first base. You know, if I'm holding a guy on at first base, I'm completely freaking him out. Mal on the stretch, throws over to Shoning, not in time. And, uh, you, you do the whole game over here? Yeah, of course over here. Uh, but I had some fun with it. So uh, so the book, anyway, when COVID hit and we had no games to call all of a sudden, all of us, Yeah, uh, I, had t- I had time on my hands, and um, uh, I had a backup plan to do college baseball, but they, they ended it too. They didn't play baseball right. that year. So uh, I just sat down and uh, started writing stories, and I've got a bunch of them because I've been – very fortunate to be on this ride for 43 years now in radio. So uh, some of it's my early childhood in Philadelphia, but a lot of it is, is the radio career. Sure. You have been fortunate enough to call some really, really good basketball in San Antonio championships, hall of fame players, arguably the greatest coach of all time this year's team in the last couple of years, getting into the plan, but this year's team is, is obviously a little bit different. So what is the feeling around the San Antonio team, knowing that it's a rebuild? Well, it is a rebuild, and it's a hard, I think, for some fans because they're spoiled. Uh, you know, they're yeah. used to this team being uh, not only playoff contenders, but championship contenders. And uh, the last few years, obviously, they've been in a rebuild. They decided to go even deeper into the rebuild by trading basically their best player, their only all-star, DeJounte Murray, for future draft picks. And that's what they've been doing. They've been stockpiling these draft picks, and now they're starting to draft some of these young guys, and next year we'll see uh, where they draft. But – and the same, at the same time, Travis, it's a team that wants to develop. It's a team that wants to get better. And there are some good young pieces here that will be part of the future. And what I'm enjoying is watching these guys kind of grow up uh, and seeing these guys 
uh, for the first time. Some of them, some of them, you know, been around for a couple of years, but they're still in their early 20s. Watching them go through the NBA experience for the first time or for the second time as they get better and better. And of course, even some of these three-year veterans, Travis, as you know, because the whole COVID thing, uh, it really hasn't been a full ride for them. You know, they didn't get a chance to go through training camp and summer league. And uh, then the first couple of years got real kind of truncated with guys in and out of the lineup and some guys traveling and not. So anyway, this is really, at least for some of us, uh, for me, especially since we're traveling this year, the first full season back in the NBA for a while since COVID. So uh, I'm embracing that opportunity. So uh, I've got a, a, you know, a a couple of things that I'm excited about these young guys that are getting better. And also the fact that uh, I'm back on the road traveling. For sure. When you guys came to Portland, I was looking forward to seeing Jeremy Sohan and, uh, I've heard so much about his defense. I didn't watch him play in college. I didn't know a ton about him. And I heard about his defense, which he, he's clearly a good defender. But the fact that in a Spurs uniform, he's wearing number 10. He had the the different color hair I, and his playing style. I got some serious Dennis Rodman vibes from him. Am I am I crazy on that? No, you're not. And uh, in a lovable kind of way, though. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Dennis, Dennis maybe went off a little bit deep, you know, but, but Jeremy's a fun right. kid. He's only 19. Uh, and he's got a real interesting background, Travis. But and I love that. And I know you like the same thing because you have international guys yep. too. But I love the backstory of these guys. You know how they got to where they are. And Jeremy's a kid who grew up in London, and uh, his mother's Polish and was a great player. So in the summers he would go to Poland and he'd play a lot in Poland. He's on the Polish national team, and uh, so he's fluent obviously in Polish. Uh, but he's from Britain and he's got this Cockney accent, you know. And it, it's just real fun to be around him. And I visited with him last night. And uh, he is uh, still learning how to play offensively, still learning the game. He's still young. Yeah. But defensively, he's got this ability to switch and to guard all five positions. And last night we saw him all over the floor. And uh, he's just this kind of a, I don't know, uh, it's kind of like a wild card to have him on defense because he can play so many different places. And, of course, I think the NBA is kind of heading that direction, this positionless basketball that we see talked about. Uh, He's one of those guys that would fit that mold because – I think you can kind of plug him in in a lot of different spots. Does he have a nickname? Because if, if Dennis Rodman was the worm, because like here we have GP2 and they, they call him the mitten after his father was the glove. <laughs> so if, if Dennis Rodman was the worm, what would he, what would he be? Would he be like uh, the, the no, centipede because, or something? Actually, I don't know. He does have, he does have a nickname. Keldon Johnson has given him a nickname because of the different color hairstyles he has. And if you haven't seen this kid, he sprinkles his hair all the time uh, with different mm-hmm. colors. So uh, Keldon has called him sprinkles. So he's now, <laughs> he's now Sprinkles. It doesn't seem like a very manly nickname, but uh, Sprinkles, yeah. <laughs> hey, if, if Marshawn Lynch can be Skittles, then uh, yeah, I guess that's be true, Sprinkles, yeah. right? And who's going to tell Marshawn right. Lynch that's not a manly name, right? <laughs> I'm not going to tell him that. So it, it was a, a good start early, right? Five and two, and then the Spurs went on to lose, what, 13 out of 14. But yeah. the last couple of nights, three wins in a row and a, a big win over Atlanta without Jakob Pertl. What have you seen the last couple of games? Well, I think they're playing better defense here in the last couple of ball games. They kind of needed this break. They got a three-day break, and they kind of pushed the energy button there and recharged the energy button. But they have not been 100%, not to make any excuses at all, because it's a young and inexperienced team anyway. Uh, but a lot of their really key components have not been available for stretches of time. Jakob Pertl's been out for six games now, and he's their best yeah. interior defender. Sohan just came back after a five-game absence. Um, uh, Josh Richardson, who's a very good shooter off the bench, has been in and out of the lineup, as has Doug McDermott, because 
of uh, various ankle injuries and different things. So there's a lot, a lot of guys have not been there for continuity purposes. And because of that, I think they've turned the ball over a lot. They got a lot of guys that aren't familiar with each other. And as you know, Travis, that puts a lot of pressure on your defense when you turn the ball over a lot. So uh, consequently they're at the bottom or close to the bottom in many of the defensive categories uh, in the NBA. But in the last couple of ball games, I've seen them uh, take a step forward defensively and get a little bit more physical, uh, as pop likes to call it grunt, have a little bit more grunt. Uh, But uh, you know, they've got a, long way to go they're a young team uh, but again I'm watching them grow up and I'm enjoying that part of it I saw the injury report posted a little bit ago uh Pirtle's out again for uh Wednesday night's game but I saw Zach Collins is doubtful and I know we missed some time with that leg injury there was a point where he was viewed obviously being a top 10 pick as a really important part of the Blazers future and when he was playing at his best he was a really good player but he just never was able to develop because of those injuries and I know in San Antonio, he's had some too. So how is Zach coming along in San Antonio? You know, when he's healthy, he's really a good contributor. And I really like to watch him play. He's had a little penchant lately to get in foul trouble. Uh, and that had not been a problem before. But in the last couple of weeks, uh, he's had a penchant for getting in foul trouble. But I really like uh, his game. You know, he gets in there. He mixes it up. He doesn't back down. He's a physical player. Uh, but the problem has been uh, stretches of time where he has not been available yeah. because of injuries. And uh, I think it's just hard to really – you know, build a resume uh, and a lot of confidence if you're in and out of the lineup all the time. If I can tell you a quick Zach Collins story, and you can sure. share this if you'd like. Uh, game seven of the second round series in 2019 in Denver, right? It's before the game. It's probably two hours plus before the game. And I get there early to set up, and I'm killing time, and I'm, I'm sitting, you know, front row courtside watching the players warm up. And it was Zach Collins and Jake Lehman, and they are both taking outside shots, and Jake Lehman's ball kept hitting Zach Collins' ball out of the way. And finally, a ball knocked Zach's you know, shot out of, the, out of the cylinder, and he just starts laying into Jake Lehman. And I mean, just laying into him. And Jake gives one of these shoulder shrugs like, what? What, what, what do you mean? And it just kind of shows and demonstrates the, the intensity yeah. that Zach Collins has. And he's not unique in that way, but in today's NBA – he definitely is on the the more intense end of things. Yeah, he doesn't back down. And, you know, you look at the centers around the league, some of these big, rugged guys, the Yotas Valanciunas. Yeah. We, we saw Bam Adebayo in Miami the other day. Uh, so they've got these big physical dudes. Uh, and, um, you know, Nurkic, of course, you got one right there uh, in, in that big fella. So uh, Jokic, of course, a big guy. So yeah, I think that um, – you know, with these big physical players and bead, you, you got to be able to battle them. You know, you got to be able to stand toe to toe and not let them get to their spots all the time. And that's, I think one of the reasons why Zach's gotten in foul trouble. Uh, he's also picked up some of these offensive fouls and Travis, you watch a lot of games like I do. Are they calling that a little bit more? Uh, these offensive fouls where guys will set a screen. It doesn't even look like they're yep. moving, but if the defender falls down or runs into them off balance, uh, they're going to call that on the guy setting the pick. And I've just seen that a lot this year. Yeah, and we've seen it with Nurk. He's been better with it the last week or two. But if a player goes to set a screen and has their hands up, even if they don't touch the player or barely touch him or make incidental contact, they're calling that a screen foul most of the time. It's yeah. They've really put a focus on that. Yeah, and they're trying to make it a little bit easier, I guess, for the defenders. But uh, at the same time, you know, if a guy is big like Nurk and he's stationary yeah. and, and, a, and a guard runs into him, you know, that's part of the game. So it's almost like breaking up a double play the way it used to be. You used to be able to slide in hard if the guy was at the bag, right? Hurry, I'm making another baseball reference, Travis. But uh, that, that's the way I, I grew up playing baseball. You know, you slide into that guy to break up the double play. It's yep. part of the game. 
Yeah, yeah, they, they don't let you do that anymore either, even no. at, at any base, even at home. Um, you know, Greg Popovich, from a distance, uh, it appears that he does not like losing. And he has not really lost a whole lot in his career as a coach. So how is he handling this team? He's realistic. Uh, he started training camp, first day of training camp, you know, media day. He says, hey, nobody in this room, go to Vegas and bet money on this team to win the championship. That's not going to happen. So, so therefore, I think immediately he took the pressure off the team, first of all. And he took certainly sure. the pressure off himself because because he is a guy that is a very competitive guy. Now, we'll say this. Um, in Once the game starts, once the ball is rolled out there, he's still as competitive as ever. Uh, he got on, I think it was Charles Bassey, one of the backup centers in last night's game for a missed assignment. And we're, you know, the Spurs are up 14. This is a team that is, you know, eight and 18, <laughs> obviously, you know, not going anywhere this season doesn't look like, uh, but in an early season game, he's all over this guy for missing an assignment uh, in a, in a you know, late third quarter of a 14 point game. Yeah. So um, he clearly still wants to win. He still has the fire burning. He wants to get the most out of these guys. And even though situationally, uh, with the way the franchise is, you know, it might be in the minds of some beneficial for them to get a really high pick and then not win many games this year. The guys that are on the floor are trying to win games, I promise. Yeah, of course they are. And, and this year is interesting because the teams that are at the bottom of the standings are still beating good teams. We saw it with the Spurs beating Atlanta the other night. Uh, Houston beat Milwaukee. Orlando's won a couple of games. Do you think that's because the that middle of the pack is so spread out. And you know, aside from Milwaukee and Boston, nobody's really separated themselves in the league this year. Yeah, I think that that's fair. There's a certain amount of parity. And I also think that it's hard to predict who's going to be in and out of the lineup anymore. I mean, we see True. so many guys resting uh, second night of a back-to-back. Guy might not play at all. Uh, you know, we see this uh, load management type thing taking effect. Uh, and really, I, I'm sure it's disappointing for some of the fans because, you know, you pay good money, you come out, and you you hope to see Steph Curry or, you know, whoever the, the star player happens to be. Maybe Steph would be a good example because he plans to, tends to play a lot. But, you know, the certain guys are going to sit out certain nights, and, and, you know, we see that more and more, and I think that, therefore, maybe we don't see that separation that, you know, the super team that's just running away with a huge record. Yeah, that's a good point. Before we let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to plug your podcast. Number one, because you're gracious enough to come on here. But number two, <laughs> uh, you had a chance to sit down with Terry Porter, of course, Trailblazers legend. Yes. Uh, and so where can folks hear that conversation? Well, the name of the podcast is called Sound of Spurs Podcast. And Travis, the reason we're doing it this year, it's the 50th anniversary of the Spurs. Uh, the Spurs started out, as you know, in the old ABA. Uh, the Dallas yep. Chaparrales weren't drawing very well in Dallas, the old Moody Coliseum, which is still there on the campus of SMU, by the way, in Dallas. Huh. Uh, but they moved to San Antonio. They were leased for a year. It was a lease. It wasn't a, they didn't buy the team. Wow. The, the businessmen in San Antonio leased the Spurs and uh, got a rental agreement at the Hemisphere Arena, and basketball caught on. There was not really much else going on in San Antonio. In Dallas, you had the Cowboys, you had the colleges, you had a lot of other stuff going on, but in San Antonio, it didn't. So uh, the Spurs obviously uh, became uh, a cornerstone in the community, and the people loved it, and, and the Spurs players enjoyed it, and the weather was nice. You know, Some of the players were from up north, and they came down, and they liked the weather, and uh, they, they experienced the um, – you know, the Mexican culture for the first time. So that was really fun for them. So anyway, I think that you see a lot of the retired players from the Spurs stay in San Antonio. George the Iceman Gervin started an academy. Uh, so anyway, back to the podcast. So what I do is I'm interviewing all these guys 
that are former players that were part of this rich history, this 50-year history uh, of this person. Some of them are old-timers. I mean, like I mentioned, the Iceman, uh, James Silas, yeah. uh, his, he was a great ABA player. Uh, they've got great memories of the old red, white, and blue ball, the wild days of the ABA. And uh, so I, I'm kind of a basketball historian. I grew up in Philadelphia, which is a great uh, basketball city, as you yes, know, sir. with the, the best college arena in the history of the game, the Palestra at the University of Pennsylvania. So um, I, I, growing up around all that, you know, gave me a real sense of, um, you know, pride uh, in, the, in, in the history of the game. So therefore, getting a chance to visit with some of these guys has been a lot of fun for me. He is Bill Schoening, the voice of the San Antonio Spurs. Bill, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you at the arena. We'll see you tomorrow, Travis. Thank you. All right. It's always a pleasure to talk to Bill Schoening. He is one of the best broadcasters and best people that there is out there. So big thanks to Bill Schoening. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Section 113 podcast. Tip-off between the Blazers and the Spurs, 5 o'clock on Wednesday night. As always, you can hear it on our flagship station, 620 AM, Rip City Radio in the Portland area, and across the Portland Trailblazers radio network. Michael Holton and I will have the call, and Mike Lynch, as always, will have the pregame show at 4 o'clock. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the Section 113 Podcast.